The following pre-recorded program is paid for by SSI Guardian. Welcome to Living Well with Dr. Peg. With your host, psychologist Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, Living Well with Dr. Peg explores a variety of mental health, wellness, and safety topics. Brought to you by SSI Guardian, Living Well with Dr. Peg shares effective and practical psychological strategies based on biblical principles for living well. To learn more about the show or Dr. Peg's mental health consulting and publishing services, visit drpegradio.com. And now, here's your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. today for another episode of Living Well with Dr. Peg, brought to you every week by our sponsor, SSI Guardian. We're coming to you from Denver, Colorado on 94.7 KRKS and streaming around the world at 947krks.com. And you can also download the KRKS app to listen live on your smartphone. And if you missed last week's episode or any episode of Living Well with Dr. Peg, be sure to go to drpegradio.com. That's D-R-P-E-G radio.com for the program archives. All right, all you sports fans, this show is for you. I've got my sports fan husband in the studio with me live today, Ryland Clark. Hello, Ryland. Hello, Peggy. It's a pleasure to be here. (laughs) Thank you for joining me. I also have on the phone from Dallas, Texas, professional football champion and college standout Chad Hennings as my guest today. And Chad Hennings had a nine-year NFL career and three Super Bowl championships with the Dallas Cowboys. And he's one of the most decorated college football players in NCAA history. And if that was not enough, Chad has also completed 45 successful combat missions flying A-10 jets with the United States Air Force. Chad Hennings, thank you so much for being with us today, and welcome to the program. Uh, it's a pleasure to be on with you both. Thank you, thank you. Well, Chad, uh, you're, you're football royalty, right? And despite the fact that I live in Broncos country, we've got Don, my engineer, has on a Broncos hat today, in fact. Uh, I'm okay with you because you played for America's team, <laughs> the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> That's right. And, you know, in all transparency and honesty, too, I, I married a girl from Buena Vista, Colorado. Right. She's a huge Bronco fan, so we are a, we're a mixed family ourselves. <laughs> Woohoo! All right. Well, tell the listeners about uh, some of the highlights of uh, your college career and your NFL career. And um, along the way, where did your military career fit into all of that? Okay. Well, I attended the United States Air Force Academy. Ah. Um and, and there is where I played college football, and I was fortunate enough to have played on several great teams and had phenomenal coaches. Coach Fisher DeBerry, who's in the College Football Hall of Fame, was my head coach, and then I had several different uh, assistant coaches, uh, Tom Miller, Dick Inga, Sammy Steinmark, uh, to name a few of the guys that um, – uh, were able to have a big impact on me, but I also went on my senior year. I had a what they would classify as a breakout season, mm. where I was able to lead the nation in sacks. I won the Outland Trophy, was a unanimous All-American, was a end up being a two-time academic All-American, um, MVP of a couple different bowl games that I played in. Was drafted by the Cowboys, but I had a, the military obligation, having attended a service academy, 
<clears throat> um, to fulfill. Mm-hmm. And that's where, you know, staying true to my word, I, even though I was drafted by the Cowboys, I postponed. Or Technically, when I graduated, I never really truly anticipated ever playing for the Cowboys because I had an eight-year military commitment. Uh, I upped it from five years because I wanted to fly jets. So uh, went on to fly the A-10 Warthog, uh, flew 45 missions into northern Iraq in support of Operation Provide Comfort with that in 1991-92. And then after 1992, our armed forces went through a reduction in force where they waived, not just for me, but across the board, commitments uh, for anybody that wanted to separate from the Air Force. So I volunteered, raised my hand, went on to play with the Dallas Cowboys, had a nine-year career with them, and three of my first four years were we had won the Super Bowl championships. So mm-hmm. it's kind of a colorful career, and I was able to witness and experience a broad breadth of leadership styles and exposure to different types of business. But um, it, it was uh, you know a dream come true for a lot of kids growing up. They either want to you know you play soldier, you play army, mm-hmm. or you go you play. A professional sport, so I was very fortunate to be able to do both. Yeah, amen. That that's just awesome, and thank you so much for your service. And um, look how God has His hands in everything that um, opened up the door for you um, not to have to wait a full eight years to be able to go into the NFL. Oh, and Peggy, it, it truly was a God thing for for the circumstances to uh, play out the way that they did. I am firmly convinced there was, you know, no other than God uh, was the only entity that could ever uh, make that happen Mm -hmm. in the timing that it did. Mm -hmm. So, wow, that's just awesome. So I've got to ask, because I know this is a question on the listeners' minds is what is it like to win not one, but three Super Bowls? And do you wear all three of your rings at one time? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I, the only time I really wear the rings are when I speak to a function or I'm, I'm attending a cowboy alumni function or I'm, I'm trying to impress somebody in, in the business world or trying to get my foot in the door with a business <laughs> being in commercial real estate. But, um, you know, playing in a Super Bowl was, you know, playing in that type of game, I, for me, when you're going through it, it wasn't uh, – any different in regards to preparation than what I did when I was in high school or in college. I approached it just as any other game, you know, to keep it in perspective that it's still 11 guys versus 11 guys, offense, defense, special teams going out. You still block, you still tackle, you still pass and run the ball. You still do all the same things that you did when you first started playing the game. It's just on a bigger arena, but when you can exclude all the stuff that's going on in the periphery and stay focused on why you're truly there and what you're doing, you know, it kind of alleviates some of the pressure, but you know, you can enjoy the game that much more. Mm -hmm. And I never really, you know, 20 years now, since we've 20 plus years now, since we won our last Super Bowl, it, since the Cowboys won their last Super Bowl, it gives you an opportunity to, to look back and to really uh, appreciate what that took for that team to be able to do what it did and accomplish what it did, you know, I appreciate it more now than what I did when mm-hmm. I was actually going through it. Mm-hmm. Well, and it seems like you had a pretty rapid rise to success that uh, winning those three Super Bowls really early on in your time with the Cowboys, does that kind of rapid success come at a cost? You know, not well, 
the only cost would be that's your expectation. Mm-hmm. You want to win the Super Bowl every year, and it's for the players. We, you know, you realize still the preparation to get to the game of all the time in the off season in the weight room on the practice field, evaluating film, you know, taking care of yourself physically. You know, you still approach it that same way, but the expectation is to get there. And then when you don't get there, when you, uh, you know, potentially don't even make it to the playoffs, that's where, you know, disappointment and particularly fan expectation starts to put pressure on you to, to try and repeat and and to get back to that scale. And it just, and again, once you've experienced both sides of the spectrum, you appreciate it much, much more um, what it actually took to get to that position mm-hmm. and, you know, try and get back to the basics. Right, right. And my husband, Rylan, is here. Hi, hi baby. Hi. <laughs> hi. So I got him on here as um, a sports fan and played sports through high school. Um, what what are your, your kind of your thoughts about um, someone who wanted to play sports in high school and wanted to be a professional? Did you see anybody who it came at a cost having this kind of level of success? Well, uh, I think for the the average guy, I'll I'll just throw myself in that basket. Um, It takes a lot of discipline and focus, even at the high school level, to be successful. But to see someone go on to college and then go through the types of experiences he had in the military and have the opportunity to play pro and play, you know, for the Cowboys for nine years with three Super Bowls, you know, those are dreams. Those are the kind of things that dreams are made of. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, it's the focus and the discipline on the next level that I'm I'm more interested. You know, I'd, I'd like to know more about uh, how what it took, you know, what kind of things did he have to go through to get to that level? Mm-hmm. What does it take? You know, uh, what what does it take personally? You know, what kind of sacrifices do you make personally to get to that level? The average guy doesn't know because the <laughs> average guy didn't make it. Yeah, and, and Chad, one of your platforms as a um, public speaker is character. And so Ryland is bringing up a lot of important aspects of character, it's just that the discipline and the focus. And how would you define character and how would you respond to his question? Well, you know, it's it's a great question to ask. And I think what separates the individuals that are able to make that transition, because I've seen a lot of young kids coming up that were extremely talented physically. They could have played at the next level, whether they're making the jump from high school to college or college to the professional level, but they didn't have the mental discipline. They didn't have the aspects of commitment, of character, of resilience, of those of of you know either functional character or moral character, of being a good citizen, of being a good teammate, of 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 having that integrity, and that's what. Um, separated you know truly the good from the great Mm. because the great ones were always those guys or the individuals that were able to rise to that level there was a certain set of discipline of you may have been the best athlete out there but if you didn't study your playbook or if you didn't do the little things or if you didn't weren't on time for practice or if you didn't you, you did things that were selfish that's where you know Coaches don't want to have you on the team because mm. you're you're pulling others, particularly the younger players, potentially away down a path that you don't want them to go, and you reduce team cohesiveness. So, character is a big thing mm-hmm. to do, and that's one of the things that for any young player coming up through high school or college that may be listening, you know, to get to the next level, you don't want to highlight yourself by doing those things that 
are out of the norm. Mm-hmm. You know, doing things that are are disrespectful, doing things that um, aren't shown for you to be a team player. Mm-hmm. And because it is, it's about the team. It's always, always, always about the team, and it's never about you know the individual. It's about the individual doing his job, his role whatever in the confines of the game plan set to, to be that. And mm-hmm. and that's the thing as you continue to rise, even your high school kids or your college kids, again, realizing that you may not think you're a role model or a mentor, but I guarantee you those junior high school kids for those high school kids, they're watching you, mm-hmm. how you, how you conduct yourself. That's and right. for those college kids, those high school kids are watching you. How do you conduct yourself? Mm-hmm. And And that's what tears my heart away is when, you know, they one of my former teammates. Hey, Chad, Chad, let me let me let me interrupt you there. We're going to go to a quick okay. break. You're listening to Chad Hennings, three-time Super Bowl champ. We're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsor. Don't go away. One needs to look no further than today's headlines to understand the threats facing American schools. They remain soft targets for violent threats, and yet our schools go largely underprepared. Our children deserve the highest level of education in the safest learning environment possible. The SSI Guardian QAL, or Quick Action Lockdown, is the fastest and safest way to lock down a classroom. This revolutionary device provides schools with maximum locking protection while meeting all safety, fire, and building codes. Designed by the leading lock experts in the world, the QAL is the only lock that meets Department of Homeland Security primer recommendations. SSI Guardian QAL now makes classroom lockdowns fast and safe with the red button. As a parent, you have every right to demand that your child is afforded the best classroom protection. Take action today by calling SSI Guardian at 877-878-5800 or go to guardianprotect.com. That's guardianprotect.com. To learn more about living well with Dr. Peg, visit drpegradio.com. And now, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Welcome back, everyone. My guest today is three-time Super Bowl champion and United States Air Force fighter pilot and author, Chad Hennings. Thank you, Chad, so much for being on the program today. And again, Peggy, thank you for having me on. You can learn more about Chad at his web website, chadhennings.com. And so, Chad, please continue with what, the story that you were sharing. You bet. And what I was highlighting before was the aspect of being on a team but trying to stand out as an individual, putting the attention upon you and, and you know, in essence, taking off your teammates. They have made rules in the NFL, one of them. He's a great guy. He was a great teammate, the greatest, you know, by statistics running back in the NFL. But Emmett Smith, they had an Emmett Smith rule because every time that he would score a touchdown, and these were this was in the mid '90s, he, you know, he'd take his helmet off and he kind of run to the sidelines. You know, in essence, it was kind of highlighting, you know, me, 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 and they made that illegal. They made a rule that you're not, you can't take your, you know, excessive celebration. <laughs> um, it's good to have that. Um, exuberance it's good to have the excitement and to rally your teammates around and to get excited but you know there's a balance there there's a fine line when you take it off the celebration you become make it more about yourself and highlighting yourself that's when you've crossed the line and you know case in point as i'm sure we'll talk about here shortly too is the case with colin kaepernick what he's done in in protesting uh, by not standing at the national anthem are not standing for the national anthem pregame 
and um, you know, to me, that's that's just an aspect of of disrespect. He's he's not sitting as a role model. You know, one of the things in regards to that is, you know, in essence, he's he's protesting uh, a symbol, either your flag or the national anthem of of a country that provides free speech or allows free speech and and different rights that we have where we can say what we want, but yet he's protesting that ability that of individuals not getting that right for free speech and it's you know you you can't have it on both sides of the fence so you know that's an aspect of you know potentially utilizing your position as a member of a team to highlight yourself and an entity that's it's not the it's in bad form it's not the forum to do that it's not the forum to to take a political speech issue or protest and, and to put it in, in that context. Mm-hmm. And some, some argue that um, that he's using his platform to speak on behalf of others, and it's really not about him. And so there really are, there are there's multiple perspectives on, on this, um, on this uh, uh, story. And so what I want to focus on for, for my program is this um, issue of character and, um, you know, the character of professional athletes in general. You talked about them being role models. And then the controversy with this specific athlete, and people have different opinions about um, what he's protesting and certainly how he's protesting it. But really, he, he is standing up for what he does believe, and so that, isn't, that is one aspect of character. Um, and you were talking about functional um, and moral character earlier, and I, I don't know that I've ever heard that uh, term, functional character. So can you explain that a little bit more? And well, if this ties in, you know, feel free to, to elaborate. Sure. F- functional character would be those aspects around um, uh, resilience of commitment, of those things in regards to actions being taken where moral character would be around those things of how you treat others. And just draw a distinction between the two. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I certainly agree that it's almost along the lines of the old adage that perception is reality. People based on their experiences or their perceived experiences believe that their actions dictate reality when in in case a lot of times there's not. And I'll draw a, a biblical uh, example for that, you go back to, into the book of Judges when God continued to judge the nation of Israel when they fell away from him and they continued to do what was right in their own eyes. And it kind of goes along the aspects of moral relativity or uh, moral relativism, where your truth is what you dictate it to be. And that's where we get into this whole aspect of identity, particularly for this younger generation of millennials as to who are who am I supposed to be as an individual or who am I supposed to be or are we as you know as Americans and over the last you know several years it it has definitely accelerated in the last few years but we don't have a common identity a common vision of who we are and we're getting pulled in multiple directions and you know not to to state the obvious but in a book written by Jonathan Haidt called uh, the righteous mind why good people differ between politics and religion he quoted a study in there, or he referenced a study by a French sociologist named Emile Durkheim. And Durkheim studied communities, and communities where they did not have a common, he said, a common moral foundation. And I will take that to example of in what we're talking about today, a common identity or common vision. He said that when they did not have that, they had a decrease in happiness, but they had an inc- also had an increase in suicide rate amongst the population. 
And you look around today, and, and whether I can make the analogy or make the conclusion or not, I, I think it's valid that suicide rates today amongst millennials are one of the top forms of, of death for young people today. Mm-hmm. And it's, a lot of it is, is geared back towards we don't know who we are from an identity perspective, which relates to character, how you treat others, and how you view yourself. Um, so, you know, the, all this ties into our culture and to our society. And, and the thing that makes it so important for athletes, particularly professional athletes, they are role models. They're mm-hmm. in the limelight. Kids look up to them, as are other entertainers. And when they're doing certain things, it almost, when kids don't have that foundation as their, their identity, either they don't get it through the home or they don't get it through their peer group, through their coaches, you know, they reach to this virtual reality that's out there and they try to espouse that as being true. And, and that's where we get into all the issues that, you know, what I believe is why we have a lot of cultural and social woes in our society today. Mm-hmm. Well, th- those two critical questions you hit on them, who am I and what am I here for? Um, What's my purpose? And so each of us as human beings struggles with that question. And we as believers know that our identity comes from from God and that he establishes our our purpose for our lives. Uh, But when we don't have that grounding, um, that I think you're correct, that we see all kinds of social ails and personal ails. um, And as you as you said, leading up to and including suicide. And so um, recognizing uh, in any any role that we have in life, whether it's professional or career or vocational, that people are always watching. And so, again, back to the the topic of serving as role models um, for professional athletes, um, uh, we see all kinds of despicable behavior um, from our professional athletes. And um, people are watching. Young people are watching and aspiring to reach the same heights that they've reached. And so taking that responsibility, um, part of character, part of leadership that you talk about. Um, and you've all, you also have as a platform that excellence is a lifestyle. And so being excellent in everything we do. Can, can you say more about that and, and how sports has helped you learn that lesson? Sure. You know, one of the things, and just to kind of draw a conclusion to your last point, mm-hmm. was as parents or as coaches, we need to kind of watch who our kids are looking up to or who they're, you know, the different types of media or social media that they're ingesting. Because there's one tenet in life that I subscribe to that I've always tried to teach my kids. It's from an old biblical proverb that he who walks with wise men will be wise. You know, you will be judged by your mentors and those you look up to as well as your friends. And it kind of goes along with what Machiavelli said in his book, The Prince, is that the best indication of any man's character is by the company in which he keeps. So your friendships, your relationships, and again, your mentors, you know, they matter. They matter. But, but living that life of excellence is, you, you hit a nail on the head, it's, it's defining what that why is. Why do you do what you do? Why do you do what you do? Um, it kind of reminds me of another quote by uh, a philosopher, Nietzsche, that says that he who has a why to live for can bear almost any how. Mm-hmm. When you have a purpose in your life, when you have that defined, when that defined filter that you pass all your thoughts, your words, and your, you know, your actions through, um, your opportunity, your chance to live that life of excellence, of life of purpose, of impact, of meaning, are, are that much greater. So it, it's, you know, when I talk to kids and encourage kids or encourage adults even for that matter, because I firmly believe it, it doesn't matter what age you are, 
when you can find that purpose why you're here, and as, as believers, you know, I firmly believe that, that for me, my purpose is to worship God and to make his name known. Mm-hmm. You know, everything filtered, doesn't matter what I do, whether I was a professional football player, pilot, businessman, you know, husband, father, it's all wrapped around that. But when you find that purpose, when you find that meaning, that's when you find that why, you know, that's when you find uh, – peace and you find that you're able to to live that life of excellence. Mm-hmm. Amen. And so um, we're talking with Chad Hennings, three-time Super Bowl champ with the Dallas Cowboys and United States Air Force pilot and um, motivational speaker, um, entrepreneur, author. Uh, Chad, thank you so much for your perspectives today. Um, we know that professional athletes are in the headlines today. Their their character is being called into question um, what's the right thing to do? Can you stand up for what you believe? Should you use your platform in this manner and using it for a greater good beyond your own self-interest? And so we're talking with Chad Hennings, who's sharing some insights on excellence and um, character and resilience, discipline, integrity. Got my husband also, Rylan Clark, in the studio with me today, who is a huge sports fan and an athlete himself. And so just um, interested in hearing what you what your response is to what Chad is saying. Well, first thing that set a set a um, set uh, your highest highest uh, standard of excellence. That's what uh, touched touched me. That point is something that uh, each individual has to uh, take as a high priority. That has to be your highest priority, not the not the uh, standard of excellence that your coach sets or you know friends or even uh, you know. Uh, teachers, it really doesn't matter, you know, as far as I'm concerned, it doesn't matter the standard of excellence they set. You should be setting a standard of excellence for yourself because mm-hmm. in the end, you know, you're the one that's going to be performing to that standard. That's right, and being guided by God. You're listening to Living Well with Dr. Pegg. I'm your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, and my guest is With SRN News, I'm Ron DeRockstra. Syria's military says U.S.-led coalition has struck one of its bases allowing the Islamic State group to advance, calling it, quote, a serious and blatant attack on Syria and its military. If confirmed, it would be the first time the coalition has targeted Syrian government forces. The governor of Iraq's Anbar province says families have begun returning to Fallujah three months after the city was declared fully liberated from the Islamic State group. Fallujah was declared liberated in late June after a month-long operation by Iraqi forces aided by U.S.-led airstrikes. Former Defense Secretary Robert Gates, who served under presidents from both parties, wrote in today's Wall Street Journal that Donald Trump is, quote, stubbornly uninformed about the world and how to lead our country. Trump posted a response on his Twitter account saying the results under Gates' guidance was, quote, a total disaster. This is SRN News. Whoa, baby, that's chilly. Put on shoes when you get the papers. It's not summer anymore. It's autumn. You know what that means. We will fall in love all over again. It's been a great journey. Our anniversary is coming up, you stud. I like the ring of that. Remember 96 when you ran for Denver DA as an independent? Of course, but why bring that up? Because this is an ad for William Crow. How so? We're talking perfect gifts for autumn anniversaries. So when you called me a stud, you were suggesting diamond stud earrings? Correct. Then you pitched in with your ring thing. But why did you bring on my losing run as an independent? Because they sell a lot of anniversary pendants at William Crow. What's a pendant? 
Jewelry hanging from a chain, an anniversary journey pendant is full of pretty twists and turns. Pendants, rings, and diamond studs all downtown at William Crow. The anniversary place to go. Best prices, best service. Online at williamcrow.com. William Crow Jewelry. Making Denver sparkle since 1924. Are you worried about having enough money to retire on your terms? What about taking that anniversary trip you've been dreaming of? If you answered yes and you're a homeowner who's at least 62 years old, now is the time to call Acclaim Mortgage and learn about your options for a reverse mortgage. Acclaim Mortgage knows there are myths out there about reverse mortgages, and one of them being that the lender becomes the title owner of your home if you take out a reverse mortgage. Well, that's not true. Did you know that you'll still be the title owner of your home if you take out a reverse mortgage? Acclaim Mortgage is here to help answer all of your questions about reverse mortgages. Locally owned for over 20 years with an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating and thorough knowledge of the Denver real estate market, Acclaim Mortgage is your go-to for assistance with reverse mortgages. With home values so high, now is the perfect time to call Acclaim Mortgage. So think beach and call 303-753-9400 or visit acclaimmortgage.com. Again, that's 303-753-9400 or acclaimmortgage.com. Call or visit the website today, 303-753-9400 or acclaimmortgage.com. To learn more about living well with Dr. Pegg, visit drpegradio.com. And now, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Welcome back, everyone. My guest today is three-time Super Bowl champion and United States Air Force fighter pilot, Chad Hennings. Welcome back, Chad. Hey, again, thank you for having me on. You're quite welcome. And, and we're broadcasting out of Broncos country, but we understand you have a tie being with the United States Air Force Academy and marrying a, a woman from Colorado. So uh, we can say go Broncos with you here, right? Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. I'm, I'm, I am a Bronco fan, too. Okay, great. Well, Chad, you've uh, written a book called Forces of Character, and um, listeners can um, purchase that book by going to your website, chadhennings.com. And in your book, um, you share a lot of stories from some prominent athletes, well-known um, athletes, and um, that to illustrate some of these aspects of character that we're talking about. Um, the char- character of professional athletes is often in question. Their behavior is often in question. And um, we're looking at uh, some of these uh, characteristics of resilience and discipline and integrity and uh, knowing that young people are looking up to athletes, whether whether they think, you know, they need to be role models or not. They are, unfortunately. And, Ryland, you were sharing um, just at the end of the last segment that ultimately we really have to set the standard for ourselves and that, that God God tells us our identity, God tells us our purpose, and and we uh, a sign of character is uh, being able to withstand the pressure from from other people. So Chad, if you would share um, just some of those uh, stories from your book Forces of Character that illustrate what sure. we're talking about. Yes, you know one of the reasons why I you know I wrote the book was because I just saw in our in the public arena, whether it be in athletics, whether it be in politics, whether it be in business, you know, individuals that, you know, cut corners to get ahead or trying to find whatever that niche is, and they're not doing it ethically, morally, or at times with character. And so that prompted me to want to write this book. And and first of all, just to define what is a force of character, as the book, as the title of the book dictates, to me, a force of character is somebody that lives to be their best self every day. They encourage others to do the same. 
And then those organizations or teams or associations, you know, even families that they're affiliated with, they encourage that entity to rise to a higher noble purpose or cause. And in that, I wanted to show that it, character is ubiquitous. It's across the board. It doesn't matter your race, your, your gender, your, your uh, economic status in life. So I saw some individuals that name, people would recognize their names, some famous individuals, celebrities, etc. And then I also it sat down and I had conversations with people that had phenomenal stories that you know, most people don't know who they are. So the individuals that I interviewed were former Cowboy greats uh, Roger Staubach, Troy Aikman, coach for the Cowboys, Jason Garrett. I interviewed the uh, San Antonio Spurs head coach, Greg Popovich. I interviewed Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. I sat down with an, a survivor of Auschwitz, a a space shuttle commander, an astronaut, uh, an international human rights attorney from former communist Romania that experienced uh, religious repression. Um, I sat down with the, the CEO for the National Center on Fathering. And then I also sat down with a homelessness expert that is helping people with their identity and, and helping them break the cycle of homelessness in their lives. And again, these were individuals that were, you know, black, white, male, female, uh, across the board, because character, to me, identity, is ubiquitous, and it's a choice. And to me, character is it's kinetic also. And what I mean by kinetic is it's like any muscle that if you don't use it, you lose it. And it's something that you can't remain stagnant. So if, if you want to be trustworthy or if you want to... Uh, show resilience, or if you want to uh, lead that uh, uh, either functional, moral, character life, you have to be intentional about it. And you have to exercise that. Mm. You know, just you know, a couple quick stories from there. Imagine being uh, a teenager, and uh, they put you and your family. They they take your father away from you. You find yourself on a cattle car traveling from Hungary to Auschwitz with your mother and your sister. Your mother pulls you aside and says, you know, uh, the, the lady's name was Edie, Dr. Edith Eager. Edie, you know, honey, we're not sure where we're going. We're not sure what's going to happen to us. But always remember, and she pointed to her head, you know, they can't take your thoughts away from you, where you think, the way you, you, you react to situation. Always remember that. And then getting off that cattle car at Auschwitz, come face to face with uh, Josef Mengele, the angel of death, who was infamous for pointing to the right or pointing to the left, telling her mother to go one direction, her and her sister to go another, and finding out moments later that her mother was sent to the to the showers, to the gas chamber, and was, was murdered right away. And then having to later perform for Joseph Mengele, uh, Dr. Eager was a classically trained ballerina. She had a dance before him, before his dinners to entertain him, knowing full well that he had her mother killed. And then she had a choice. She remembered her mother's words. What is my choice? And, you know, and for me, when I'm having a bad day or I talk to other people that have had a bad day, you know, I kind of remind myself or remind them about the story that we have no excuse when we don't control our thoughts or when we don't 
when we allow certain things to happen to us that, you know, are they really that big of a deal? No, it's about resilience and, and choice. So, you know, that's one case in point that uh, of a story that, you know, it, it keeps me grounded. And, mm-hmm. and those, you know, one of the stories that are in the book, um, you know, another quick story is uh, Tom Hendricks, who was a Air Force Academy graduate, space shuttle commander, uh, flew multiple uh, rides into outer space on, on two or three different uh, of the shuttles. And as a young man, he grew up on a farm in, in Ohio where no one, none of his family members ever went on to college. And for one afternoon, he was supposed to ride with his cousins into town from the farm to to go get a, some ice cream. And but he had to stay back. His grandfather kept him back and and it ended up being his his three cousins were all killed in the car accident. And you know and he had which you know should have been with them. But it was with that aspect that he looked that he almost had like a new lease on life, a new aspect of purpose that he wanted then to live his life, that he didn't want to waste his life, and he wanted to live for his his cousins to show, you know, to, for himself, but also to honor them that, you know, he was going to go on to college. And again, no one in his family had ever went, and he went on to become, you know, not the best academically, not necessarily the best pilot that was out there, but he ended up flying and, and commanding missions in outer space as a shuttle commander. And he, again, aspects of resilience, finding purpose in life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those are just two examples of two individuals. And, in, you know, there's 10 individuals in the book of stories, of inspiring stories such as that mm-hmm. to, to help people realize the importance of identity and the importance of living your life with purpose and with character. Yes, that's so good. And so the the stories are not just, um, or the people that you've featured in your book are not just tied to sports. Um, you have people from all walks of life, and also not just men. Um, for myself, as a as a woman, um, as a young girl, I didn't really play much sports as a girl, and certainly not team sports. And while I'm active as an adult, um, I, I still kind of do individual things, triathlons, 5Ks. And so it occurs to me as I, you know, as I interact with my husband and, and talk with folks like yourself, there's so many lessons that can, can be learned from sports that are available to men and women, girls and boys. And I kind of feel like I missed out on, on some character development, perhaps, um, because I didn't get involved in sports at a young age. You know, for me, uh, sports is probably the best life laboratory mm. that there is, you mm. know, for character, for leadership, where young people can learn, you know, what what it takes to be committed, what it takes to overcome obstacles, to to win and to lose, mm-hmm. you know, graciously, to, to compete, to uh, realize what it means to to play on a team where it does take individual effort, but where individual effort, how you fit and you can work well with others. And that translates into how you form your relationships with your, you know, your future spouse or your, your best friends, you know, outside the classroom or the, off the athletic field, but also in business. And I go through, you know, every, I think every lesson 
you know, I'll say foundational lesson that I've learned in life, I learned through playing through athletics. Wow. That's something. And, Ryland, I'm sure you agree because you're always talking with me about sports, the value of sports. Yes, I think it's, I think it's the kind of thing where um, basically you learn how to, how to be a team player, uh, how to fit into, you know, a team concept, uh, winning and losing, sportsmanship, having good sportsmanship along the way. And those are the kind of things you have to take in their life because you're not always going to come out on the winning end. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, how to lose, huh? That's right. Yeah. I wanted to ask Chad real quick uh, about uh, the the biggest lessons he learned um, or the most impactful thing you learned as an Air Force pilot. You know, and that's a great question, Wyland, too, is, is you know, having had that experience of, you know, being a collegiate athlete, it, it was very similar to be in that fighter squadron as it was to be in that locker room with my fellow football mm-hmm. players, you know, at the Acad- Air Force Academy. And there was a common purpose, common thing, you know, and we had a common mission. Air Force, we wanted to win football games. We wanted to win conference championship. We wanted to succeed on the gridiron. In the same aspect, we had a common purpose and mission as, as fighter pilots. We wanted to... Uh, succeed and we wanted to accomplish our mission. It required teamwork. It required mission preparation, practice time, and it required also evaluating, you know, the success or failures of the mission that we went out on. So it was a whole aspect of bringing in the team support from, you know, on the football field, it was your trainers, your equipment guys, your coaches, your you know, water boys to your other teammates, offense, defense, special teams to accomplish the team victory. And it was the same in the aspect in the Air Force. It was the guys who, your life support equipment, it was your bombing techs, it was uh, your, your uh, intelligence folks, all to accomplish the same mission. Right. Awesome. That's wonderful. My guest today is three-time Super Bowl champion and United States Air Force fighter pilot Chad Hemmings. We'll be right back after this message from our sponsor, SSI Guardian. Schools can no longer afford not to invest in a professional evidence-based advanced safety education training program. It's the single most important decision and investment a school administrator will ever make in their professional career. When all else fails, training and preparation are the only things that will increase your chances of survival in a violent incident such as an active shooter or active terrorism. SSI Guardian has set the new standard in advanced safety education by providing evidence-based advanced training programs tailored to your needs. While there are many basic training programs largely based on opinion and emotion, SSI Guardian is the only advanced training program of its type with an accredited continuing education unit or CEU issued by an accredited university. SSI Guardian has set the new standard in advanced safety education by providing evidence-based advanced training and solutions to learning institutions, faith-based and professional organizations. To learn more, call SSI Guardian today at 877-878-5800 or visit guardianprotect.com. To learn more about living well with Dr. Peg, visit drpegradio.com. And now, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark.
Welcome back, everyone. My guest today is three-time Super Bowl champion with the Dallas Cowboys, United States Air Force fighter pilot and author, among many other things, Chad Hennings. Learn more about Chad at chadhennings.com. Thank you so much again, Chad, for spending this time with us today. Peggy, again, it's my honor and privilege. Yes, I'm just learning so much, and I appreciate Rylan just asked that question about some of the important lessons you've learned as a fighter pilot, and it, it just strikes me how similar you, you made that, that remark yourself, just some of the very same lessons where it requires individual preparation and dedication, but also relying on a team, and that just takes us right back to those two concepts that, that you um, that you presented to us about uh, our identity, who am I and why am I here? And so finding out who am I, what do I have to bring to the table, what are my gifts and talents, but what, for what purpose do I have these gifts and talents? Is it all about me or is it for a greater good? And again, we as believers know that it's, as you said, to worship God and to um, bring glory to his name and um, for, the, for his kingdom, for his people. Yes, most definitely. And that's what I have found, particularly with men today. Our culture tells men that, you know, your purpose, your identity is to, you know, go out and, and to conquer. So it's, it's actually your, your identity is based around your performance. Mm-hmm. How will you perform? And, and when guys realize, you know, I, that, that was me. I mean, totally mm. was me. That it was all based upon, you know, how well I did in the game or how well of a mission that I flew or, you know, how well I, I performed is where I derived my value and where I, you know, I found my purpose. And that I found also it's, you know, it's kind of like what Pascal says that inside every man, and I'm paraphrasing, inside every man is a God-sized vacuum that only God can fill. We try to fill that that identity, that purpose inside of us with so many different things, whether that, you know, fill in the blank, money, sex, drugs, uh, relationships, work, that um, it's one of those things that you can never fulfill and never satisfy and you never find, you know, in essence, living that life of excellence, as we alluded to earlier in the segments. But that's where, you know, I try to encourage men and it's kind of the gist of my book, Rules of Engagement, Finding Faith and Purpose in a Disconnected World, is to encourage men to, you know, to, to, to let down that facade, to realize that, you know, you can't do it alone, that it's not based on your, your, your identity, your, your, your life is not based on performance, but it's based around that identity of who we are in Christ. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, to draw an analogy, we've been talking about sports. Um, even those individual sports like a, you know, a track and field or a swimming exercise, you always had teammates that you had to, you know, to win the meet. Or to, or to help you perform, and as for me as a fighter pilot or in, in the military, you know, you never went out as a single ship. You always had support from either other wingmen, or if you're on the ground as an infantry person, you had had a platoon or your foxhole buddies or, or whatever. You're never meant to go solo, mm-hmm. and that's the one thing for guys too is that they've been always taught that to show strength, to show resilience, you got to kind of stand there and just take it and overcome. But now we're, we're meant to live in unity with others in community, in relationships, you know, love the Lord, your God, with your heart, soul, mind, and love others as you do yourself. And when guys, when men grasp that concept, they, you know, that's where they find the peace, the fulfillment, the purpose in life. 
and their lives then go to the next level of finding that meaning and 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 that impact and that's what i'm really about now i you know I, i'm in the latter half of my life you know mm-hmm. turning 50 a year ago and now it's it's not necessarily about accomplishments it's about significance mm. And one of those things, and just seeing it, you know, with my son and and with a lot of his peers, millennials, I see this disconnection where we can be, you know, the more we're connected through social media, through our PDAs, our iPhones, our droids, our iPads, etc., you know, the more disconnected we are relationally. It's almost that virtual relationships where they're they're not real. Mm-hmm. And it's to encourage men, you know, to, to slow down a little bit and to reach out to form. I have a men's ministry called Wingmen mm-hmm. where we encourage men to, to form those transparent, Christ-centered, masculine relationships where we, you know, we accept, we affirm, and we, we hold each other accountable. And, and that's when I've seen how men's lives have changed have transformed over the years when they grasp that concept of identity who we are through christ and and the ability to be able to share and to open up with others i see lives changed Mm -hmm. and and it's to get to mentor younger guys to 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 reach out because there is a disconnect there younger guys are afraid to ask older men you know for advice for for wisdom in the same token Older men, guys my age, are sometimes afraid to ask the younger men to share advice because, you know, we don't speak the same language. Even though truth is truth is truth, there's that disconnect. And that's what I'm all about is how to bridge that gap and how to draw, you know, fathers are drawn to the sons and sons are drawn to the fathers. And to draw in, you know, that multi-generational mentorship where you have grandfathers, you have fathers, you have uh, sons, because we all are relationships where every one of us should have that St. Paul relationship where Timothy or Titus are reaching out to St. Paul. And then at the same token, who, you know, who's your Timothy and who's your Paul? Mm-hmm. And then who's your Peter, James, and John, your, those relationships that are horizontal, those friendships. So, you know, in regards to discipleship and, and mentorship, we all should be getting discipled and mentored. And at the same token, you're not a true disciple unless you're discipling someone else. Mm-hmm. So, it's all about relationships. All about relationships. Oh, uh, just stated so beautifully, perfectly. Um, accomplishments versus significance. Um, I think that's true for women as well. You said that's especially true for men. But just this performance-based acceptance that we tend to operate on really as human beings and really shifting it to who am I and why am I here? How can my life make a difference? And who am I connected to? that I can sow into their lives and they can sow into mine. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's, that's the walk that we are all called to walk. Mm-hmm. And I, I do a lot of shows, Chad, on um, mental illness and, and um, mental health. And um, what really comes out as a theme in all of those shows, um, you know, we had suicide um, prevention and awareness uh, week and, um, in October is um, World Mental Health Day and Depression Screening Day. And really kind of the common thread there when we're dealing with um, people with suffering from depression and people who are suicidal, sometimes as a symptom of their illness, they withdraw and they isolate and they're disconnected. But sometimes that withdrawing and that isolation 
is uh, part of the cause of some of the emotional distress. And I think what you're saying about social media gives us the illusion of being more connected. Uh, and certainly technology is a wonderful tool and um, social media is a wonderful you know, marketing tool even. Um, but we have to be careful how we use it, that it, it cannot replace those human interactions. And as you stated so beautifully, those relationships. That's right. It, you know, social media or technology is meant to, to uh, support, but not to supplant, mm. to take a mm-hmm. difference of. That's good. And, and most definitely, mm-hmm. most definitely. That's right. Amen. Well, I want to share with the listeners um, a little bit about uh, a workshop that I have coming up in October. I'm teaching a youth mental health first aid class for adults who work with youth. And, and Chad, you were talking about mentoring and discipling. And so all of those youth leaders who might be listening and adults who are teachers or you are an unofficial informal mentor or you've been assigned as a mentor to a young person, you definitely want to take this class to be able to recognize and identify signs of mental health and substance abuse issues in young people and, very importantly, knowing what to do, how to respond, how to connect them to appropriate resources, and uh, how to respond in a mental health crisis. So it's an eight-hour class, and you'll receive a certificate uh, at the end of the class, uh, Saturday, October 15th in Aurora. It's Youth Mental Health First Aid. Uh, Go to my website, drpegradio.com, to learn more about the class and to register. And so, uh, Chad, uh, your work with the wingmen and and mentoring, do you you have a lot of uh, young men who, who you've been working with? Yes. I mean, and that's the one thing that um, to be a mentor or to disciple someone, it takes intentionality. Mm-hmm. And, and to, for anybody to experience that transformational uh, love of Christ in their life, it takes men, you know, in this case myself and as well as others, to you know, take the time. It's one thing that a lot of things regarding the body of Christ and in churches, you know, to write a check. But it, it's, you know, there's that disconnect. If you want to impact somebody's life, it takes time. And and sometimes it can be an inconvenience. And that's where we have to. I mean, we no longer have the the privilege or we no longer have the luxury of sitting on the sideline and hoping somebody else does it. Through my wingman ministry, that's where I encourage men is that you no longer have the time to continue to sit on the bench Mm -hmm. and think that somebody else in the church is going to impact your community, your culture, your garden where you've been planted. So that's where I encourage men, you know, get in the game, Mm -hmm. get in the game and impact someone's life. That's right. Well, your book title, Say It All, Chad Hennings, it takes commitment. Forces of Character and Rules of Engagement. Listeners, I encourage you to check out Chad Henning's books on his website, chadhennings.com. My guest today has been NFL champion and Air Force fighter pilot Chad Hennings. Thank you so much, Chad, for being with us today. Peggy, appreciate it. Rylan also. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Living Well with Dr. Peg, brought to you by SSI Guardian. I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, reminding you to live well. SRN News. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of Living Well with Dr. Pegg. Living Well with Dr. Pegg is brought to you by SSI Guardian, who has set the new standard in advanced safety education. 
If you'd like to learn more about the show, our sponsor, or mental health consulting and publishing services, visit www.drpegradio.com. Remember to join us every Saturday at 1 p.m. on 94.7 KRKS-FM for Living Well with Dr. Peg.